Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. This is your host, Juliet Lamar, and I have with me today Gregory Riboti. He is the CEO and Vice Chairman of ID Quarantine. Hello, Gregory. Welcome. Hello, Juliet. Thank you. So why don't you give our listeners a little insight into ID Quarantine, what you, what you do there, and what services you provide. Yeah, so ID Quantique is a Swiss company which basically develops solutions to ensure data security in the long term. Uh, and the idea is that Typically, uh, in order to secure data, you need cryptographic tools to uh, protect it against interception. And the tools that are being used today offer limited security. And uh, there are going to be some technological change that will make these uh, cryptographic tools insecure. And so at IDQ, our mission, our business is to provide next generation tools that provide long-term security for data and information. Very, very necessary in our world today, considering most of our identities are kept online, our banking is done online, everything. Definitely, definitely, yes. What do you feel is uh, is one of the biggest security risks that we currently face as an everyday person uh, who's not really a tech person but just involved in the world? What is one of the biggest security risks that people might not understand? So, so one of the risks, uh, maybe I'm going to talk about the risk that we particularly address at ID Quantique. And you know, it's the fact that, uh, as I mentioned already, that the tools that we're using are going to become insecure. And the reason behind this uh, change in the security of these tools 
is the fact that there is a new kind of computers that is being developed that will uh, come out, you know, in, in the not uh, too distant future, which is quantum computing. And so quantum computing is a new kind of computer using the laws of quantum physics to process information. And this kind of computer will be massively parallel. It will be able to solve certain problems which are not doable today, no matter how big a computer you have. You know, even if you, if you have a supercomputer, certain problems just take too much time to be solved today. And uh, these problems are used as the basis for, uh, for cryptography, the cryptography that we use today. And uh, the, the challenge is that there's this new kind of computer coming, these quantum computers, and these computers will have such power that they'll be able to break, to solve these uh, problems, and as a result, to break the cryptographic uh, tools that we use. And that's very important uh, because it means that if, if we don't develop something else, you know, if we don't develop new tools, when these quantum computers will be available, and again, it may take some time, but they are coming, then we'll be left without any information security, which understand, you know, would be critical in our society today. Absolutely. And you know, the people out there who are doing malicious activities are also working to get quantum computing going so they can hack into systems more efficiently. Uh, prob- probably. Uh, so, so in terms of uh, you know public research uh, activities, um, they're mainly the big tech players that are active in this field: Google, Intel, Microsoft, uh, uh, IBM. You know, they they all have quantum computing programs. Basically, uh, there's been a lot of progress in the past few years, and in a sense, the science is finished. You know, quantum computing sounds very science fiction, but the science is well understood, and now it's, a, it's really a question of engineering, how you, you build, how you make something, uh, you know, reliable, uh, and then uh, also how you will be able to scale that to get a quantum computer that is big enough. So, but it's engineering, and so these big companies are working on it, and there are also some smaller startups. Uh, there's a, a whole ecosystem that is emerging, and uh, also in, in various countries, you know, like, for example, of course, the U.S. is a big player in the field, Europe also, but China has recently announced a very massive investment in the field. And um, once quantum computers become available, they're likely to be available in a cloud model, which means that even if you know, malicious actors don't directly own a quantum computer, they'll be able to, uh, to connect through the cloud and to use them to solve some problems. So it's really a, it's a, it's a very important problem because once they, they exist, they'll, become, they'll be uh, widely available. And so we need to prepare early enough against these, uh, these, these threats. Absolutely. I mean, being prepared is, is the best defense. We don't want to have to play exactly. catch-up when these things are already happening. <laughs> exactly. And, and one of the reasons why you need to be prepared is that there is a, one of the risks is that data that you protect today, that you encrypt, you know, you, you, uh, you, the, the, the techniques that we use today are uh, offers a, a certain level of security, but someone, a malicious actor, could store, could intercept the data today, store it, and we, we know that storage is becoming virtually free, so store this data encrypted until a quantum computer becomes available, and then when a quantum computer becomes available, then retroactively decrypt, uh, you know, break the, the code and retrieve the information. And so it's very important to, be, to start early enough because otherwise you may end up with a lot of information that becomes uh, retroactively uh, exposed and that, that can be a, a big problem. Of course, it depends on the kind of information. You know. My credit card number is maybe only valid for, I don't know, two, three years. 
And so it's not so critical, you know, if, if there's a quantum computer in five years, but there might be some, I don't know, health-related information, my uh, people that get their genome sequence, things like this, where the information is much more sensitive and has a much longer lifetime. And so it's very important to start uh, looking at what information has a long lifetime and to protect this information that requires long protection with appropriate measures. Otherwise, you know, it may become exposed in, in the future. Wow. A lot to think about, but, but very necessary. What, could you speak a little bit about uh, the single photon systems that you at IDQ are using? Yes. So uh, maybe first, uh, just to explain why uh, there's, a, there's this vulnerability is that basically the reason is that uh, the security comes from mathematics, from uh, mathematical problems. Some, some mathematical problems are easy to calculate in one direction, but difficult to reverse. And so the, the cryptographic security comes from this difference, because basically encryption is equivalent to doing the calculation in the easy direction. But then decryption is like, if you don't know the, the code, is like reversing a difficult calculation. And so that's why there's, the security comes from this asymmetry in, in computing time. And what uh, quantum computing will do is that it will break this asymmetry. Everything will become symmetric, which means that encryption and decryption will be just as difficult. And so, because, wow. and so it means that if we want to be, if we want to have a secure uh, crypto in the long term, we need to, there are two ways. Uh, one way, there's a single photon way, which is what we do at ID Quantique, which is not to use mathematics, but to use physics in order to protect information. And uh, in a sense, the idea is that on the one hand, with mathematics, you have assumptions that are unproven, you know, this difficulty uh, and, uh, of a calculation, and which changes with the, available, the, the kind of computer that is available to an adversary. And, um, and that's a problem because you're, you, the strength of the method changes over time. With physics, if you can base the security on physics, the laws of physics are obviously not something that changes uh, so often. So the security will remain the same in the future. It offers you know, kind of future-proof security. And so that's where we use single photons because to, if I take a very simple image to explain our system, you can think of a communication system as a tennis game where the emitter takes a tennis ball, writes the message on the ball, sends the ball across the field, and on the other end, the uh, receiver catches the ball and reads the message. And the problem, of course, is that some, there could be someone in the middle, an adversary, with a butterfly net catching the balls, you know, intercepting the ball, reading the message, and then sending the ball on to the, to the legitimate recipient. And by doing that, it would collect the information without being uh, noticed. So that's why, you know, that's a, a, a simple image for any communication. Uh, and now what we do in, with, at ID Quantique with single photons is that we basically replace the tennis ball with a soap bubble. And so a soap bubble is a fragile object so that if someone in the middle tries to intercept the soap bubble by touching it, the, the, the person would make it burst and the communication would be perturbed and the, the emitter and the receiver would be able to detect that there's someone uh, you know, uh, on the line, uh, catching, intercepting the data. And so we use these fragile objects to carry uh, information. So now, you know, of course, this is an oversimplistic um, image. Uh, you know, no one uses uh, tennis balls and so bubbles. In modern um, communication networks, typically uh, organizations use optical fibers, which are like pipes that uh, carry light. And uh, the, the, the equivalent of the tennis ball is, is a pulse of light which contains many particles of light, many photons. 
and someone could, an adversary could intercept a few of these photons without perturbing you know most of them uh, and so could intercept the communication without perturbing it and now the id this the soul bubble is equivalent to using one photon per pulse of information so one photon at a time and a photon is a quantum object described by quantum physics which is this uh, theoretical uh, uh, physical theory which describes the microscopic world and in quantum physics there's this uh, strange principle which states that if you measure uh, a quantum object you perturb it it's impossible to passively to measure a quantum object without uh, perturbing it this is uh, the heisenberg uncertainty pr principle so the idea is really that what we do is we use physics this fundamental physical principle to secure information i love the soap bubble analogy it is it is quite simplistic but i i think it really gets the point across of of how easy it is for people to set up a net and catch tennis balls, but when you break it down to something so fragile, it, it's impossible to catch a bubble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so where does your random number generation come in? Is that a separate a security system that you provide as well? Yes, so indeed. So the, the, the random number generation is a, is a component that is used at both ends to produce the codes, the encryption keys that are used mm -hmm. to protect information. So it's a separate part of the system. But here, we also use quantum physics, another principle, you know, uh, not, not this uh, uh, Heisenberg uncertainty principle, but we use the fact that in quantum physics, it's the only theory that uh, includes randomness, that, you know, in, in traditionally in classical physics, the physics that was developed before quantum physics, basically, if you know a physical system, you can predict uh, you know, the, its evolution. You can predict every result of measurements that you, you're going to make. And so, you know, it's kind of the world based on classical physics is like a big clockwork where you, you, you know the initial state and you can predict how it's going to evolve. And that's, uh, but that's actually not the way the world works at the microscopic level. Because at the microscopic level, quantum physics comes into the game. And according to quantum physics, there are certain processes w which are fundamentally random. So it's not a matter of how precisely you, you measure the system, or it's just that fundamentally, if you do the experiment, every time you get a random outcome. And you can repeat the experiment, and every time it's independent and random. And so uh, uh, using this uh, randomness of quantum physics is very important whenever you need good randomness, because actually generating Random numbers is, is a difficult task. You know, it's probably not something most people think about because, uh, you know, you, when you think about gener you know randomness, you can think about tossing a coin. It looks easy actually, but it's a very difficult task if you want to do good randomness. Uh, and it's useful in security, as the application I mentioned, but also in many other fields such as uh, uh, numerical simulations, where you for certain te techniques uh, random numbers, but also in, in more trivial applications such as you know, games, casinos, and... Wow, really the possibilities are endless. And I love that you're fusing, uh, you know, physics with computer science and working with them together in unison is, is quite a new, a new idea. Indeed. So it's, a, it's an interesting... There's this second quantum revolution that, uh, that, that's going on right now, that's happening. Um, because basically, you know, a lot of the IT uh, tools that we got uh, last century... Come, they come from quantum physics. Quantum physics was needed. It was uh, discovered, uh, developed in the first uh, 30 years of uh, the, uh, the 20th century. Uh, and then, you know, of course, engineers 
kind of learned about it, started applying it, and things like lasers, like semiconductors, come from quantum physics. But they come from applying quantum physics on ensemble of, uh, of particles, not on particles one by one. But nevertheless, it enabled you know, uh, lots of uh, completely revolutionary applications. Uh, and people talk about the first quantum revolution in terms of all the IT, the lasers, the, uh, um, uh, and as I, you know, as I said, semiconductor chips, everything. Now, well, technology has advanced uh, so, so much, and also physics has advanced now that we are at the beginning of the second quantum revolution, where we use one single quantum object, it could be a photon, it could be an elect- electron, any, quant- any particle, you know, is quantum. We use one particle per bit of information. And so now the quantum properties of the particle impact uh, or, or, or define what you can do with information. And so this is really revolutionary because, as you, you were saying, you know, traditionally information theory it was a field that came out of mathematics. You know, people thought about information as math, as, as equations. And actually, it, it, what's really revolutionary is that it, it's very important matters what physical system you're using to process information. And if you use a quantum system, there are new things that you can do, and uh, such as quantum computing, quantum communication, random, random number generator. All of this is new, and this is the, the second quantum revolution, where we're probably seeing just the, the very first application, but which will lead to many applications that we just can't imagine, right? Absolutely. So if someone wants to use this service, a company wants to use this service, uh, you know, what are the steps to getting, to getting set up? So for the quantum random number generator, this is typically a, a, some piece of hardware uh, that the company will install in its data center or in a server, and will, which will produce continuously random numbers that can then be used in any application, whether it's an online game application, online casino, or numerical simulation, or a security generating password, generating uh, pin numbers or, or codes. Uh, so, so that's that's relatively easy. You know, it's kind of installing some hardware and then just um, uh, accessing it uh, whenever it's needed. For the, um, the the single photon system for the communication, which is something called quantum cryptography, so to secure communication, basically what this involves is installing an, a, 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 some hardware, an emitter and a receiver, which is adapted to producing these soap bubbles, you know, these single photons. So it's a different kind of emitter and receiver, which is more sensitive in a sense. And you connect these uh, at, at both ends through an optical fiber cable, which is what you use anyway if you have a lot of data to, to, to send. And this is typically an enterprise solution. So it's typically used between data centers where an organization such as the government or a bank will have a primary data center with, where it stores all its information connected remotely through an optical fiber to a secondary data center in case of disaster recovery and things like this. And so we will secure the communication between these sites by installing the, these special emitters. And so it doesn't seem too hard to get to get up and running with with this kind of security system. No, indeed, it's it's really IT grade. You know, uh, often people think, or I guess that was something we, we we faced at the beginning, is that using the word quantum sounds science like science fiction. And so we had to explain that you don't need a PhD in quantum physics. You don't need a physicist to to operate this kind of things. It's it's about training an IT engineer, uh, but it takes a few hours to train an IT engineer to uh, manage and install this kind of equipment. And then, you know, it's really standard, just a standard piece of hardware. Absolutely. So how, how did you this whole company come about? Give us a little overview so on, on 
you know, where you've come. Yeah, so so um, it's actually a spin-off from a from a university, a local university, the University of Geneva here, uh, and uh, basically physicists, a group of uh, four physicists, including myself, worked in the late 90s on this quantum cryptography technology, and uh, when I finished my PhD, I you know, didn't feel good enough to do academic research, uh, but I was interested more in application than uh, working in a lab. And um, we had this interesting piece of technology, didn't really understand, you know, the, the full potential of the application, but it seemed interesting enough to try to start a company. And so we set up the company a, a long time ago in 2001, really, um, you know, and if I look back, we, we started too early. You know, it was way too early. We had too much to do to explain about the problem. It was The problem was not understood enough. So we had a solution before the problem was really understood. Um, but we managed to kind of bootstrap, stay alive, and mostly basically by selling their random number generator, which was needed much before, uh, because in, in the 2000, year 2000, around that, it was when a lot of uh, these online casinos and poker sites were being set up and needed good, you know, source of, of randomness in order to guarantee fair gaming. And so we kind of was bootstrapped on selling these uh, other products while explaining, finding the first early adopters for this technology, which we found in the, in the financial sector, and then gradually expanded the company. That's excellent. And your company is, is also has a really strong commitment to the environment. Um, and since 2006, you guys have been doing a lot of things to positively affect the environment. Do you want to talk about those a little bit? The, uh, the, the environment, you mean? Yes. So, you know, your, any CO2 emissions and things, you yeah. have so, been so offsetting really, them. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's more it's more of a personal, you know, the founders of the company had this uh, general, uh, uh, um, were, were interested in, in the environment. Uh, we promote uh, uh, people using bicycles to go to work, uh, which in, in Switzerland is, is kind of doable because cities are are not so big, but we we try to uh, to to, to um, yeah to to make sure that people think about uh, the impact on the on the environment, and then relatively soon we we realized that a lot of the impact uh, that of our activities were actually uh, related, for example, to to our airline traveling because we you know when you start a new business you need to go to attend lots of conferences, shows, and things like this. And so we decided to uh, uh, offset the uh, CO2 emissions because that we, was difficult to avoid start traveling. If we could, we, we of course we prefer to avoid traveling. But if not possible, you know you need to meet people, partners, customers. Then uh, at least we wanted to uh, offset these. And the reason is basically, I think what's very important is to take into account the true cost of uh, of our actions. Uh, and the true cost implies not only the the price of the uh, airline ticket, but also the impact on the environment. And so that's our general approach is to kind of uh, avoid uh, externalities and, and try to have a holistic approach on the cost of what we do so that we make reasonable choices. Um, and uh, so that's the general idea of our environmental policy. I love that because the whole it's a worldview on not just your specific area of expertise, but in general, just a world environmental view of of how, how everything works together, and, and I love that. I think it's a really important important aspect of the company. So where is the best place for people to uh, find out more, to get in touch, and to use your services? So uh, I guess the first uh, place would be to go to our website, www.idquantic.com, where we provide a lot of information, material. Uh, people can also sign up for our newsletter. We try to 
provide uh, informative material. You know, we come from a from a university background, physicists, so we, we we like talking about what we do. We're passionate about our our products, our technology, and so we uh, try to provide um, quality material and information. So I would say the first place is really to go to visit our website, and there's a lot of information there. Absolutely. Well, Gregory, thank you so much for taking the time to, to share your company with us and to really stretch our minds in the, in the, uh, the world of physics versus computer science and mathematics. And I, I, uh, I really appreciate that. Thank you. It's a pleasure. That was Gregory Ribordi. He is the CEO and Vice Chairman, idquantique.com. Go ahead and check out their website. Thank you so much for joining us today on Future Tech Podcast. This has been Juliet Lamar. I'll catch you guys next time. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.